Well, you can have your seats. I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Element Church. And I just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holiday Season. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, my family, we had an incredible Thanksgiving, one that we will never forget uh, in a very good way. We uh, headed to Florida on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, got to spend Thanksgiving with actually some of our very dear friends who live in Orlando, spent a few days with them, and then our family, we went to Disney World for the week, um, and it was incredible, actually almost too incredible, because by the end of it, we were all so tired, my body was literally like, I'm done, and I got really, really sick. Uh, as a matter of fact, I woke up this morning not sure if my voice could handle preaching this morning, but uh, it's, it's sort of... Warmed up and opened up. I think I'll be just fine today. But um, we had so much fun. It was a lot of a lot of good times. Great memories. Uh, it'll definitely be a Thanksgiving we will never forget. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well. And as we prepare for Christmas, I hope that this the, the holiday season continues to be great for you. And as we begin to prepare for Christmas, um, as individuals, as families, as a culture, we're moving into a new series uh, that we've entitled "All I Want for Christmas." You know, for a lot of us, um, as we think about Christmas, uh, right or wrong. Oftentimes, one of the first things we think about is gifts. Uh, when we're younger, oftentimes we get excited about Christmas because of the gifts that we hope to receive. As we get older, uh, many times, uh, a lot of our excitement, I know this was my experience once I started, once got married and had kids, uh, the excitement starts to transition not to about the gifts that you get to receive, uh, but the gifts that you get to give and to whom uh, you are giving those gifts to. Now, just out of curiosity, is anyone in here completely done with Christmas shopping already? No. Okay. That's all right. So no. Did you raise your hand? Oh, so we got one. Okay. So we all know who to be mad at. Um, is anyone, would you say you're 90% done? Okay. So I am a little jealous because normally by this point, I'm definitely 90% done. Uh, I am not this year. And I think part of it was just the craziness of us getting ready to leave, go out of town and our whole Disney World trip that we've been planning for a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm way behind, not, not behind probably by a lot of people's standards, but for my standards, um, I, I'm way behind. Um, this will not surprise you if you know me very well, but I have a Christmas spreadsheet. Um, that I keep all year long. As a matter of fact, I start a new one every January. I'm not lying. Um, and I, anytime I come up with a good gift idea, I put it in the spreadsheet. It's actually shared on Dropbox. I can update it on my phone. Uh, so when I'm out, I'm like, that would be an awesome idea. I can update it. And then I color code them as the year progresses so I can keep track of what I bought and all that stuff. And so uh, I have a spreadsheet and uh, I just have not uh, gotten on top of, of uh, purchasing some of those things. So, um, but, but some of you, uh, maybe, maybe you're planners and you're almost done. Some of you, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to start buying gifts soon. Uh, and you are. You're going to have to start buying them very soon. And so, um, you know, for a lot of us, right or wrong, we're, today's message isn't on consumerism, but regardless of uh, how much or how little your family gets into gift giving, for a lot of us, when we start to think about Christmas, we start to think about gifts. And there are some easy gifts, right? There's like the really easy gift cards are the ultimate easy gift, 
right? Especially the Visa gift cards, right? Because then you don't even have to know the person well enough to know where they like to shop. Like Amazon gift card, Visa gift card is as easy as it gets. You know, maybe the next level up would be like just a generic bottle of perfume or cologne or something, um, right? And then, and then there are more difficult gifts, there are those that require a lot of time and a lot of planning, um, especially those that, that are you know, uniquely crafted or individually made. They require a lot more planning, a lot more time, a lot more intentionality. Uh, you have to know the recipient much, uh, much better to know what kind of gifts they would enjoy receiving, uh, what would mean something special uh, to them. And we've probably all been on both sides of good and bad gift giving and receiving. There may have been times where you've given a gift that you thought was going to go over well, that it turned out it didn't. Um, maybe you misinterpreted or misunderstood something, and the gift was not well received. Or maybe you've been on the opposite end of giving a gift that you, you put so much time and thought and planning into and it was received even better than you could have imagined. And you know the great feeling that that produces when, when something that you've put a lot of heart and time and intentionality into is so well received by someone else. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to play off the idea of gifts. The gifts that God has given us and the gifts that he has asked us to give others. And there are a lot of things in the Bible that, that, that talk about what we have received and what we are to give. Here's just a few of them. You know, in the New Testament, um, there are letters written to individuals and written to generic audiences, written to particular churches, and all designed to help people figure out how to live this new life in Christ that we've been given. And uh, a couple letters that were written to some churches um, that we're going to look at uh, for just a moment were written just to help some people in a church try to figure out this new Christian life and, and how it was to impact their life. And here's just some generic advice that um, Paul gives to one of the churches that uh, he's helped caring for. And he says, be kind to one another. That's, that's good advice. Uh, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's another one. Put on then, uh, this is his letter to the church in ancient Colossae. Uh, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It goes on in verse 13 to say, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. You know, in Christmas time, we think about gifts so often because of what God has given to us. And Christmas is about celebrating God giving the ultimate gift to us. John 3.16 is a verse I'm guessing many of you are somewhat or very familiar with. It states, for God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved you and I and your next door neighbors, and the people you work with, and your family, and strangers across the world that you'll never meet. He loves them so much that he gave. He gave his one and only son. And at Christmas, we celebrate God's gift. 
God's gift of himself, of his son, on our behalf to express how much he loves you and I. And then we get this picture about something else that God has given to us. That God has given to us forgiveness. And as God has forgiven us, we are to forgive one another. Now, let's stop for just a minute. In theory, this should be one of those easy gifts. Right? This is, this is almost like a re-gift, right? Someone gives you a gift card, you can just change the name and pass it along. God says, hey, just as I've forgiven you, I want you to pass it on to others. This sounds like it should be one of those easy gifts, but any of us who have lived life more than six months know Giving forgiveness is not always the easy kind of gift to give. But Jesus knew this, and his disciples experienced it. And there's a story in Luke chapter 17 that I want us to look at together this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you or invite you to open them up to Luke chapter 17. Or you can pull out your phone and open up the Bible app. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 5 together in Luke chapter 17. I'm going to put it up on the screen for us. We'll read it and look at it together. Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, And turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, if you opened up your Bible, if if you got a paper paper Bible, or if you opened up the Bible app and went to Luke chapter 17, but you, you didn't go to our Element Church page where we lay out these scriptures, then what you probably noticed is that there's a a paragraph division um, right between verses four and five. And, and there's a section heading, and depending on your Bible, it probably says something like increase our faith as the section heading. Now, those are put there for you and I just to help find our way and to navigate our way through the Bible. That's the chapters and the verse numbers. None of those were original. Uh, they were all added much later, centuries later, so that you and I could find our way in the Bible much quicker, just for the same reason why your house and my house have addresses. Right? It would be nearly impossible to get around if there was no such thing as addresses. And so this is your address. And, and the translators uh, who, who translated the, the Bible from the ancient Greek into English for you put section headings to help you as you read. So that you kind of have an idea of what you're about to read before you read it. So you can get in the right frame of mind before you approach the passage. But those section headings are not original to the text. So when Luke wrote his gospel account, there were not chapters, there were not verses, and there were not section headings. And just because it was the first century, there actually were no paragraphs and no spacing between sentences or between words. Learn how to read that way. So if you ever see an ancient document... There is no punctuation. Like ancient Greek had no punctuation, no spacing. 
Now, they were trained on how to do it, so it wasn't a problem for them to read. But, but we have adapted some different models to make it easier on the eyes. But Luke's original audience, they didn't see a paragraph division between verse 4 and verse 5. There was no section heading to say, hey, we've entered into a new, uh, a new subject matter. What they did is they read the story without the verse numbers like this. And I think this passage right here does a great job of helping to build a bridge between our last series called Hall of Faith. We take, took a look at what is faith, what, is, what faith is not, why we need faith, how to grow our faith, and then as we transition into our Christmas series, talking about gifts, the gifts God has given us and those that he has asked us to give others, and, and it brings in this idea of both the gift of forgiveness and the idea of faith. And here's what I love about this part. Jesus is going to start teaching the disciples about forgiveness. And at one point he tells his disciples, if someone sins against you seven times in one day, you're still expected to forgive. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes that's hard to do in church, but let's be honest. That was kind of funny, right? Right? Because everyone always asks you, how are you doing? You're supposed to say, like, I'm doing great. Praise God. Praise the Lord, brother. Right? Even if it's been a tough week, right? But let's be honest for a moment. If someone sins against you seven times in your life, throughout the entire period of your relationship, there's a good chance that relationship is done. If someone were to sin against you seven times in a year, you'd be like, we need some kind of separation like a break, like I think our friendship needs to take a break. If, if someone sins against you seven times in one month, you'd be going to your boss being like, hey, I need you to move my office to the other side of the building. I need their desk to be put in another cubicle. Jesus says if someone sins against you seven times in one day, there's still an expectation of forgiveness. Now, does that mean like number eight and we're done? No, it doesn't because we don't place a lot of value on numbers. Like that doesn't bring a lot of meaning. But to ancient cultures, uh, numbers held certain significance and symbology. And in this time and in this culture, the number seven uh, represented wholeness or completion. The idea here isn't about where, what number do we draw the line in the sand? The idea is there is no end to which someone can sin against you that you are then justified in cutting them off from forgiveness. And what is the disciple, what, are, what is their response? Oh, Jesus, you've got to increase my faith. Which teaches an important lesson. the level of our forgiveness that we extend to others is in proportion to the level of faith that we have in God. Now just let that settle for a second. The amount of forgiveness we're willing to extend to another person has nothing to do with them. And it doesn't have anything to do with how often they've messed up and how often they've sinned against us. 
the level of forgiveness we extend to someone else is in proportion to the level of faith we have in God. Man, faith is not an easy gift to give. So why do, we, why do we forgive? Why would God ask us to do it? What's the point? Why forgive? One reason is because it gives us the opportunity to model the character of God. Notice what we read earlier. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 we read, I read to you. It says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. This is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Most of you are familiar with this prayer, even if you didn't grow up in church. I grew up in a different place in a different time, like many of you. Um, but in the place and time I grew up, I don't think you could get away with this now. This is public school. But before every football game, uh, our football team would kneel together. We'd hold hands. We'd kneel in a circle. And we would say the Lord's Prayer. I don't know why. But we would kneel together in a circle. And we would say the Lord's Prayer. It, it wasn't like really highly Christian. Because then we would stand up and cheer, and a lot of bad words would come out of many of the football players' mouths at that point as we went to go take the field. But, but, but even people who had never been in church a day in their lives, we were taught uh, this prayer. So that may be your experience. You may not have a lot of experience in church, but you may be familiar with this prayer. And Jesus taught his disciples. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this is the end of the prayer. Verse 14 is not a part of the prayer. This is Jesus' commentary. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, what we know from the teaching of all of Scripture is that we don't get to manipulate God. So there's no magic formula for us to do that forces God's hand at doing what we want Him to do. So what Jesus is not promoting is that there's somehow... A system that you can devise where that if you'll forgive someone, God is obligated to forgive you. What the Bible teaches is that we're forgiven because God gave his son and Jesus gave his life. But what the Bible doesn't have room for is for people who could be forgiven so much who could then refuse to give to others. That those of us who have committed cosmic treason against the king of the universe could then turn and refuse to extend forgiveness for a, a bout of gossip or some loaned money that didn't get repaid 
or an unkind comment. Giving forgiveness allows us to model God's character. We forgive because he forgave. The Bible carries this idea in a number of ways. 1 John 4.19 We love because he first loved us. And then just like we talked about, the whole idea behind giving gifts at Christmas comes from the idea that God gave to us. We forgive because it allows us to model God's character to others. We also forgive because as a part of the process, we get to help others. Let's go back to Luke 17. Jesus says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Here's what the Bible does not teach. That forgiveness is equal to forgetting or ignoring. Jesus says, hey, if your brother or sister in Christ, if they're behaving or saying or doing something wrong, if, if they're violating what God has designed for their lives, you should say something. We don't just ignore when hurtful things are said or done. And sometimes our forgiveness is the pathway for someone else to see what's going on in their lives it becomes a pathway to experiencing God's forgiveness. We forgive not only because it models God's character, but because it can also help someone else. Some of you, as you're sitting here thinking, you're thinking about a way in which you've been wronged. Ways in which you are needing to extend forgiveness. And there are a variety, more than I could even possibly fathom or imagine or give illustrations for here. Some of you have been wronged by words from someone. Maybe it was unintentional, but it cut deep. Maybe somebody in your life who was so big in your eyes made you feel so small. Someone who was supposed to be your hero, who was supposed to be your model or example of what it meant to be a godly man or a godly woman, and they violated that trust. And though they were supposed to be so big in your eyes, they made you feel so little. Maybe somebody has done something to you that is unspeakable. The Bible doesn't teach that we ignore it. And for many of the things that you've experienced, the Bible's not asking you to forget it. There's a lot in the Bible that teaches us about healthy boundaries, about confronting sin where it's apparent. But sometimes your willingness to extend forgiveness can be that catalyst to start something powerful in someone else. And here's our last idea. Not only does forgiveness allow us to model God's character, not only does it allow us to affect someone else, but you extending forgiveness can set you free. 
Notice how Jesus starts this teaching. Pay attention to yourselves. Most of the time when we're struggling with forgiveness, our eyes are focused on the offender. The person who said something, who did something, who failed to say something, who failed to do something. And before Jesus even starts teaching about forgiveness, he turns his disciples' attention on themselves. He says, hey, pay attention to yourself. Because what I'm about to teach is about to impact you maybe more than it'll ever impact someone else. Because you can't control how someone will receive forgiveness that you extend. You don't get to control how, how it impacts someone else. You don't get to control whether the forgiveness you extend affects them. But as long as you're focused on someone else and the wrongs that they have committed, you stay in bondage to anger, to bitterness. And as Jesus begins to teach about forgiveness, rather than teaching about the other person and what we're supposed to worry and focus on with them, he starts by saying, hey, I want you to pay attention to yourself. I want you to pay attention to yourself. Listen, we're moving into the holiday season, into Christmas, which usually means a lot of family get-togethers. And if we're honest, for many, there's probably some, some issues and some past experiences that are, that are pulled out in getting together with family. Oftentimes, it's the people that we love the most who have a tendency or the ability to hurt us the deepest. And the holiday and Christmas season can present a season of difficulty and opening old wounds and pain and memories. And one of the greatest gifts that we can receive and give this Christmas season is forgiveness. And being able to properly extend forgiveness begins with us being able to properly receive it. For God so loved you that he gave. Before you can extend forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it, you have to understand that you've received forgiveness that you don't deserve. It's what we celebrate at Christmas that God loved us so much despite our unworthiness, despite our unwillingness to acknowledge Him in our lives and follow Him and honor Him and glorify Him. God loved us enough to give. He took the first step. The Bible teaches that while we were still enemies of God, that Christ gave up His life for us. And so maybe the start to Christmas for you this year 
as you prepare to extend forgiveness, to give the gift of forgiveness to someone else, is to open up your heart to receive it. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for our time together this morning. And I just ask that as we come together this Christmas season, and as we celebrate the gift that you gave in giving your son, Lord, I pray that we would open our hearts to receive the gift of forgiveness that you want to give and you want to extend to us all. Would you open our hearts to receive it this morning? I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment. Giving gifts to those you love is something that I believe honors God. And teaching about what it means to be and understand a child of God and understand God as our Father, uh, the Bible often teaches in human terms, in, hu- in, I, in, in human relationship terms. And the Bible teaches that just as, as, as parents love to give good gifts to their children, God loves to give good gifts to us. At Christmas, it's a very appropriate time to give great gifts to those you love around you. It's an opportunity to, to give and to share and to celebrate relationship and love And there is something special and powerful about giving a great gift to someone and seeing their eyes light up and the smile on their face. And God feels that same way about you. Nothing brings God more honor than to see you with joy receive the gifts that he has given to you. One of those gifts is forgiveness. For those who will open their hearts to receive Jesus, what he did by dying on the cross, to receive him as Lord of their life, God extends the gift of forgiveness. And receiving that gift begins by acknowledging your need for forgiveness by acknowledging your unworthiness of the gift and receiving it with joy and gladness. And so if you sit here this morning having never received that gift, having never opened your heart to God's love and goodness in your life, maybe it was because you felt unworthy. Maybe because you feel like you have sinned against God, not just seven times a day, but seven times every minute of every day, and you feel so unworthy. The beautiful story of the gospel is that you are unworthy, but God still loves you. That he didn't give a gift of his son to you because you are worthy, but because he is worthy. Not because you are so good, but because he is so good. Will you open your heart 
to receive his gift today. And if you've received that gift before, if if you'd say, I am a Christian, I am a Christ follower, I've received the gift of forgiveness before, then maybe in this moment you just open your heart as God just continues to pour out his grace and his love and his forgiveness on your life. And today is your opportunity to celebrate God's gift in your life. Lord Jesus, would you be honored by all the things that we pray all the things that we think, all the things that we sing, all the things that we say in these closing moments. As we just respond to how good you are, the great gifts that you have given, and the opportunity that we have, model your character by giving the good gift of forgiveness to those around us. And though we didn't deserve it, and though maybe people around us, we don't feel deserve it. It's our opportunity to declare your goodness by extending forgiveness by setting our hearts free. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time.